Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Philippians. The New Testament book of Philippians and Philippians in chapter number 2. The book of Philippians and chapter number 2. We're continuing to go through this wonderful book of the Bible, the book of joy, speaking about that I may know Him, knowing that when we know God and know who He is and know Him personally, that we will have a joy, a peace that passeth all understanding. And that as we have joy, God gives us the strength to continue to go on. And in chapter number two, we've already covered previously, the very beginning of it, where it spoke about having the mind of Christ. And that we know that Jesus Christ, who was God, formed... Uh, put himself in the form of a man, fashioned himself in the form of a man, becoming of no reputation, putting upon him the form of a servant. And that we understand developing the mind of Christ is developing this mind of a servant. And we explained about this. We continued on and explained the idea that why this is so important to have the mind of Christ is so we could find and obey God's will for our life. That God saved us for a reason and he's given us this reason. And then we also continue to see how we serve God, that we're supposed to do all things without murmurings and disputings. Remember, the, I think the idea of without carries the idea of isolated. We're supposed to serve God isolated from any murmurings, complainings, disputings, that we're supposed to serve God blameless and harmless. Then we continue to see Paul giving to the church of Philippi, Timothy. And he said, I have no other man like-minded. And we explained that Timothy had the mind of Christ. This is why Paul could uh, send him there. And the idea that how did Timothy get the mind of Christ? Through discipleship. And that Paul had taken time to work with Timothy to help him develop the habit of following after Christ. Now we're introduced to another character, another historical figure found within the book of Philippians chapter number two, that is the theme and the idea of this passage is dealing with the idea of mind of Christ, that we saw Timothy had the mind of Christ. Now we're introduced to another person with that same idea in the book of Philippians chapter number two. The book of Philippians chapter two, and notice with me in verse number 25. Philippians chapter two and verse 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all, and was full of heaviness, because that ye have heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold him in reputation." Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, but supply your lack of service. 
toward me. And if you're in the habit of marking things, I'd like you to mark two phrases, actually a name and then the phrase associated with him. Notice in verse number 25, we see the name Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. And then we could see the phrase that's attributed to him. Notice this, <coughs> not regarding his life. Not regarding his life. And with the Lord's help, as we study the book of Philippians here, we want to do a character study on the person of Epaphroditus and see the theme of his life, not regarding his life. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come and open up the scriptures today, that you would give us more of an understanding of this biblical historical man who was such a help to the Apostle Paul in his hour of need. And we're thankful for the testimony that he has. Help us to learn and apply the lesson of his life to ourselves that we may see your work continue to move forward. Once again, I'm conscious that I need you, so the best I know how, I surrender myself to you and ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you can get your own work accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Epaphroditus. Now, we know that you could study the Bible in several different ways. You could read the Bible cannot. Uh, in canon, meaning reading it from cover to cover, and you should. You could study the Bible by its books, which is what we're doing now as we're studying through the book of Philippians. You could study the Bible by its themes, and it's got grand themes throughout it. The, the scarlet thread of redemption, the golden strand of Christ's second coming. We could study the Bible by its topics of hell, of the millennial kingdom. You could study different topics of what the Bible has to say about this. You could study the Bible by its words, and word studies are so powerful. For example, the word mystery used in Ephesians chapter 3 carries the idea of something that was previously hidden but is now revealed, and to study the Bible through its words. Another favorite of mine is to study the Bible by its characters, to be able to examine the lives of these historical people who lived, understanding that everyone's life teaches a message. And many of the Bible characters that we find, you could also find a statement that's usually attributed to their name that would describe their character, describe their actions. For example, you could study the book of Esther and see Queen Esther and summarize her life for such a time as this. And understanding that God had placed her in a position at a certain time for such a time as this. You could see the... Uh, uh, the book of Joshua and do a character study of Joshua and see as he ended up his life, he said, but as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Just grand statements that would summarize a person's life. Well, if you were to summarize Epaphroditus's life, you would summarize it with a statement that we would find in verse number 30, not regarding his life. How would I describe Epaphroditus? Not regarding his life. Well, if you don't mind, let's take Philippians chapter 2 and let's study this passage and learn more about this man, Epaphroditus, not regarding his life. Look with me, if you don't mind, starting at verse number 25. And I want to show you this, Paul's companion in labor. Paul's companion in labor. Notice in verse 25, yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor 
and fellow soldier, but your messenger that he ministered to my wants. Notice as the Apostle Paul takes time to describe to the church of Philippi this person of Epaphroditus. He says, listen, this is Epaphroditus. He's my brother. Meaning that there was a time in Epaphroditus' life where he realized that he was a sinner. And because of his sin that he offended a holy righteous God. And that because of that offense that he deserved to go to an awful place called hell. But one day Epaphroditus accepted Jesus as his personal savior. And now he's a fellow brother with the Apostle Paul. That we're going to see Epaphroditus up in heaven. And we're going to look forward to seeing him as well as many others. But Paul is saying this is my brother. He's someone who's a fellow brother. He's accepted Christ. I've accepted Christ. And we have fellowship one with another because of it. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus my brother. Notice another statement that Paul said about him. My companion in labor. This carried the idea that he worked alongside of Paul. And there's something about laboring together. There's something about the idea of work that when people work together, they grow closer to each other. When people labor in a church, for example, soul winners, as they start laboring together and they continue on, they develop a bond with each other because of that common labor. That when we labor and we strive for God, that you're in it together. And there's that unity that comes with it. He is my (laughs) companion in labor. Notice something else that he called him here, my fellow soldier. Epaphroditus, he's my fellow soldier. Understanding that we're in a spiritual battle. Whether you like it or not, you're in a spiritual war. And there are real casualties and there are real people beings that are fighting. God uh, is standing against Satan. Satan wants God's job because Satan can't take God's job. He now takes it on, on those that God loves. And God loves the whole world. He loves the people of the world. He loves us. And those who decided to follow him, Satan hates us. We're in the middle of a spiritual war. And so we do stand up against principalities and powers, spiritual darkness in high places. And Epaphroditus was someone who was standing with Paul together inside of this spiritual war. Now who was Epaphroditus? Epaphroditus was actually from the church of Philippi and when the church of Philippi had heard that Paul was in prison and that he needed some help, they had said, all right guys, Paul needs some help. We have an obligation to try to help Epaphroditus out. Who would like to go? And uh, uh, Sorry, we want to help Paul out. And Epaphroditus said, you know, I'll go. I'll travel to Rome. I know it's dangerous, but I'll go to Rome and I'll be glad to help help Paul. It would be my privilege. And so the church of Philippi had sent some finances and sent some supplies. And they brought Epaphroditus or sent Epaphroditus to Rome. And when he found Paul, he began to start laboring on a side. Side Paul, how can I help you? What can I do to be a blessing? I know that you're chained up to Roman soldiers. I know you can't go where you want. Can I go someone for you? Can I take care of something for you? Can I make this follow-up visit? Can I take care of you, preacher? And whatever he could do, he was there to labor with the Apostle Paul. Again, Apostle Paul can't go knock doors. He can't go make visits. He can't start a church. He can't, he's stuck. But Epaphroditus was able to go and help Paul and labor with Paul. And as Paul would direct him, can you go make a visit with this? Can you go follow up with this? I'll be glad to help you out. And he was invested to help out. 
What a great privilege it was. Upon this devotion uh, arrival, he devoted himself to the work of Christ. He understood what was able to go on. He says, if I can't just supply your needs, can I also take care of your wants? Notice again at the end of verse 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, meaning he came from Philippi and he came to me, but your messenger and he, he that ministered to my wants. He said, Paphroditus did such a good job taking care of me. He just didn't take care of my wants but he, or my needs. He took care of my wants. He took care of other things. We know that there are some people who serve that just want to do the bare minimum. What can I just, just take care of what has to be done? Epaphroditus wasn't like that. He didn't just want to take care of what Paul needed to be done. What else can I do for you? What can I do to be a blessing? What can I do to ease your load? What can I do to take care of you? I'd be glad to do so. He was someone who was a companion in labor. Not just for the needs of the preacher. But whatever he could do to help the preacher out. To have an easier time. To lift his load. To take care of even some of the wants. To make him more comfortable. This was what Epaphroditus was. He was a companion in labor. As we go on, we can see something else that's described of Epaphroditus. Not only was he Paul's companion in labor, but we see something else here. He was fully given to the labor. He was fully given to the labor. Now notice and see what happened to him. Verse number 26. For he, Epaphroditus, longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye heard that he had been sick. So Epaphroditus is brokenhearted and he's he's sorrowful for the church of Philippi because the church of Philippi is worried about Epaphroditus. They heard that he was sick. Well, what happened to Epaphroditus? Was it a virus? Did he get ill? Was it some health need? What happened? Notice if you don't mind in verse 27. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. This man, he was sick, but he was at the edge of death. He almost died from whatever was going on to him. And of course the church of Philippi is broken hearted. Because this is a man that they trusted in the church. And they heard that he's really sick. And they're broken hearted over this. But notice. But God had mercy on him. And not on him only. But on me also. Lest I should sorrow upon sorrow. Why was he? Verse number 30. We see this. Because for the work of Christ. He was nigh unto death. He was so devoted to the work of Christ and so into it that he almost worked himself to death because there was a need. Now most people think about this and they're like what kind of crazy goofball is this? But do you understand he saw here's the apostle Paul he's in prison and here's the apostle Paul this is Paul why wouldn't I want to help him? This is Paul who God has used to start 80-something churches. This is Paul who came to Philippi. And while he was at Philippi, he met Lydia. While he was at Philippi, he saw the young girl and cast a demon out. While he was in Philippi, he saw the Philippian jailer come to know Christ. We have a church in Philippi because of Paul. I became... Epaphroditus probably came to know Christ because of Paul and could see all that Paul wanted to get accomplished and all that Paul wanted to get done. But Paul was limited. 
And so he came and said, preacher, whatever I can do, if I could see a need, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to labor. And he worked so hard because of Christ, seeing what God had wanted to get done. He almost worked himself to death. Now, again, a lot of people would criticize and a lot of people would laugh and scoff because that's not the type of work ethic we have. But yet, he devoted himself to Christ. Now, why is this so far-fetched? Well, remember in the context that we had, it's talking about the mind of Christ. And what was the mind of Christ? Notice with me earlier in the chapter, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. What Epaphroditus did is he said, I have the mind of Christ. I'm following after Christ. If Christ was a servant, I should be a servant. And notice he talks about Christ that he made himself of no reputation. You know, nobody cares what a servant does. In fact, if a servant is doing their job correctly, nobody notices them. They're invisible. We notice it when the servant's not doing their job well. Right? If you go out to eat in the next couple days. For the most part, you ignore your servants. I'm sure they're there. They'll pop up. You need something. But you usually carry on your conversation if everything's going well. But if they mess up, they mess up the order. Things go wrong. They spill stuff all over. Then you notice them. That's something about a servant. If a servant is doing their job, then along with it, there's no reputation. They're not looking for the thank you. They're not looking for the applause. They're just supposed to do their job. And by the way, that's opposite of what we want. We want everyone to pat him on the, us on the back. We want everyone to say, that a boy. We want everyone to recognize, I am the greatest server McDonald's has ever had. We want recognition. But a true servant has no reputation. Epaphroditus wasn't doing it to even build a quote-unquote ministry for Epaphroditus. He was willing to work for Christ, helping the Apostle Paul. And by the way, the Apostle Paul ends up getting the earthly credit. Look at all that Paul did even when he was in jail. Well, who's the one making the visits? Not Paul, Epaphroditus. Who's the one who's going to the store? Not Paul, Epaphroditus. Who's the one that's helping deliver things? Epaphroditus. The idea of a servant. Paul, you're Paul. I'm going to help you out. But Paul's going to get the credit. You understand you're doing all the work. So, no reputation. My job is to be a servant. My job is to... To work and to serve. So God gets the glory from it. It's not my glory anyways. And here's Epaphroditus. Who was fully devoted. To the cause of Christ. And he worked so hard. Working for Paul. He worked so hard. That he actually almost worked himself to death. And Paul's sorrowful. I don't want to see someone die. Working for me? I'm, I'm thankful for all that he's done, but I don't want to see him die working for me. And the church of Philippi is sorry that Epaphroditus, and again, it wasn't because of a virus. It wasn't because of some physical ailment. It was because he worked 
and he worked. Why? Because this was something that needed to be done. This was something that was important. This is something that needs to happen. Thankfully, God healed him, but Paul was sorrowful, and Epaphroditus is sorry that those people are feeling sorry for him. He didn't want the attention. He just wanted to be a servant. He just wanted to work, which again is opposite of what most people, especially Americans, are. We don't like to work. I mean, we like to do what we like to do, but it's hard to find a servant. And what service you can, you can't expect a lot out of them because they're lucky if they do the one task and you don't have to go back and fix it. Now, I'm not being facetious. I'm saying it's how it is. The very rarely you can get someone who says, I love the Lord and I believe in what's going to be accomplished here and I want to invest in it and I'm going to give my life to seeing what God's going to be done. He wasn't helping Paul halfways. He was fully committed to what Paul was getting accomplished for the Lord Jesus Christ. What can I do for you, preacher? What can I do to take care of it? This changes everything. Because you understand that one person can only do so much. Which brings us to a second thing. We could see as we're talking about Epaphroditus that Paul introduces him as his companion in labor. But then we could see this, that Epaphroditus, he was fully given in labor. But let's ask the question, why did Epaphroditus almost work himself to death? Why was it that there was so much work to be done that here is a man fully devoted that he about works himself to the grave? Why? The last thing here, your lack of labor. Your lack of labor. Notice with me in verse 28. I sent him, Epaphroditus, therefore the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice and that I may be less sorrowful. Paul says, I got to send him back. I don't want him to die. He's going to work himself to death. I want him to go back and go home so that way you, you could rejoice. And here's a man that we've had served for you. And we want, we want, excuse me, we want Epaphroditus to get some rest, but I want you to rejoice in him. He's done so much and he's done a lot. We want you to rejoice in him. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and to hold such in reputation. This idea of reputation carries the idea of high esteem. I want you to lift him up because here is someone who labored in the Lord. I want you to make a big deal out of it because he was serving not for glory. But I want you to have him there as an example of what service should be like. Notice as he goes on, he says, verse number 30, Why should you hold him in such reputation, such high esteem, and such good testimony? Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life. Why? To supply your lack of service toward me. That's a powerful phrase. Why did this one man almost work himself to death? Because no one else was doing it. No one else was doing it. People who keep track of such things and statistics say a frightening statistic. 20% of the people in a church do 80% of the work. Just a few amount of people do all the work of the church. 20%, just a few people do all the work. What are the rest doing? Watching, waiting. Someone was explaining in the um, 
teenage uh, trainings we had this last weekend, training some of the teenage servants for camp and the different jobs they're going to do, someone said, well, you've got a small portion that does all of the work. Then you've got some people who just like to watch the work, meaning they like to watch work be done. They don't want to work themselves. You ask them to do something. Oh, nope, nope. I've got something else to do. But they have no problems watching people work. And then you've got a vast majority of people who wonder at the work, meaning that Wow, did you see that just built up overnight? Right? And they're just in wonder. How did this get happen? Some people have the idea, and we don't know, but it just seems like they walk into a place. Wow, how did this get done? Someone worked. You could take an empty gymnasium and someone go see the empty gymnasium, turn around, go do something, come back. Wow, how did this happen? Was it fairy magic dust? Did just uh, God send a tornado whirlwind that happened to straighten up all the chairs in a straight line and build the platform and set up all of this stuff and hook up the connections? I mean, they wonder, how did this happen? Someone worked. Someone worked. You understand, this is how things are done. Nothing is done by accident. Things get done because someone worked. How do things get done within a church? Someone worked. You know, again, the idea of a servant is that most people don't even notice when work is done. They notice when it's not done. If a church is vacuumed and clean, nobody notices. But if there's stuff all over, everyone notices. If the windows are washed, nobody pays attention. But if they're not washed, then we all pay attention. When people are brought to church. Well how did they get here? Someone probably put some work to invite them some way, somehow. Someone worked. It doesn't happen by accident. Some way, something. The work of Christ. And what usually happens in most places. A few people are trying to do all the work. And not everyone can not, one person can only do so much by themselves. A few people can only do so much by themselves. You've heard the expression, many hands make light work. More things can get done if more people are invested in the labor. Why did Epaphroditus almost die? Because no one else was doing the work. Someone had to get it done. Paul was stuck. He was providentially hindered. He could not go follow up visits. So either Epaphroditus went and did the visit or it did not get done. Paul needed to send a message to the church of Rome. Paul could not do it. And so the only way the message was going to get done is if Epaphroditus did it because there was no one else who would volunteer who did it. And again, this is played out Church after church after church, ministry after ministry after ministry. If we talk to anyone, whether it's a camp or a church or whatever else, what is the biggest need that you have? You know what's above finances? Laborers. Laborers. In fact, did you know that's the only prayer request Jesus ever gave to us? He said, therefore, go to the Lord of harvest and pray that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. He didn't say pray for the finances. He said, you need to pray for laborers. And you say, well, where do we get the laborers at? God's provided them. They're already here. We don't need to outsource. We just need to be wise about what we have. 
and get and work and work. If we want to see the job done, everyone has a part to play. Every, the, the Christian life is not a spectator sport. There's something that everyone can do. Anyone could do something. Go back to Acts chapter 6 in your mind. In Acts chapter 6, there was a problem with the uh, Grecians because the widows weren't being taken care of. And so they go to the preachers. Preacher, I know you don't have enough to do. So why are you neglecting the widows? The preacher said, you know, we can get so busy doing things for God that we fail to spend time with God. Without a doubt, there is so much to do. I could work from sunup to sundown. I could work before sunup and after sundown and still have more to do. And yet, if I don't have time in my Bible, it's all for naught. And so they said, find yourself of yourselves, people filled with the Spirit, full of the Word of God, and set them forth to labor. You have them. Someone else can take that job off the shoulders of the preacher, of the ministry. So that way the preachers can concentrate on doing what they're supposed to do. Staying close to God so they can direct the work. You know, every little thing that is taken off of the pastor. And let's think about Paul. Everything that's taken off of Paul allows him to have more time with the Lord and direct more things. There's a principle here. There's things that people can do that the pastor doesn't have to do. Someone could easily uh, pull weeds. And we're thankful that there are people that do take time to pull the weeds. That's a blessing because it's one less thing that I have to do. And the more things that could be done, vacuuming, sweeping, cleaning toilets, and, and more and more things that could be done, the more the ministry can go forward. You understand everyone has something they can do. Everyone has a part they can play. Now let's see this principle as Jesus explains it in the gospel record of Matthew chapter 8. Without a doubt, you will give your life to something. You will give your life to work. You will give your life to a hobby. You'll give your life for entertainment. You'll give your life for advice. But every person will give their life to something. Notice what Jesus says in the gospel record of Matthew chapter 8. Let's pick it up in verse 7. That's what I get for not writing it correctly. So we're not going to turn there. Here we go. Matthew Uh, Matthew chapter 16, I apologize. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. And notice with me, if you don't mind. In the gospel record of Matthew chapter 16. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 24. Matthew 16, verse 24. And Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Notice that idea of my sake. 
Jesus Christ is saying that you're going to, you can lose your life for my sake. And if you lose your life for my sake or give yourself to the cause of helping me and accomplishing what God has given me, then you will instead find your life. I'm going to give it back to you. You're going to be rewarded. If you give me your life now, I'm going to give it back to you more so. The problem is, is that people don't want to give their life to the Lord right now. They want to wait till later on. Verse 26, for what is it profited if a man shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, most people will lift that context out and they will put it for the idea of of salvation. And great, wonderful. That's a true statement too, that you can not get saved and lose your whole soul. But notice this, this is in the context of following after Christ. For what is a man profit if he gained the whole world? Meaning you gave your life to something other than God and then lose his whole soul. What shall he give for an exchange of his soul? Verse 27, for the son of man shall come in the glory with his father and his angels, and he shall reward every man according to his works. We understand here that in the context, all of this working together, you're going to give your life to someone, to something, whether it's to a hobby, whether it's to life, whether it's to their children, to whatever. You're going to dedicate your entire life and spend it for something. But God says, if you give your life for my sake and you dedicate yourself and you pour your life out, you're going to get it back. He says, what is it worth that you spent your whole life gaining things? There's bumper stickers that says, he that dies with the most toys wins. Well, actually he's lost because you can't take it with you. Only the things that you do for Christ will last. And someone could give their entire life for a cause, for a purpose, for a hobby, for a vice. And they could give all their money, all of their energy. But when this world is over, they have nothing to show for it. Remember that after this, we have a a period of time called the millennial kingdom. Thousand year reign of Christ. And it's that thousand years where we're going to see our rewards or our lack of rewards. What is it to spend 60 years of your life dedicated to a wasted cause compared to a thousand years where you'll have no reward to enjoy, to benefit, to give to Christ, to honor to Him? You understand, we need to be future-minded, eternity-minded, understanding that this is just for a time. What do you give your life to? What is it that your life stands for? What is it that you give your life to? Now you say, well, I can't do anything about my past. And that's true. The good thing about the Christian life is it's a series of new beginnings. Start from where you are and move forward. Say, I can't do anything about the past. Well, don't boo-hoo about it. You start from where you are and say, as for now, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to give what's left of my life and health and strength for the purpose of serving God, of giving it to him, allowing him to use me as he sees fit. And let me tell you that no preacher, including this preacher, will say, no, there's no way you can't be used. Nope, there's no job for you to do. Preacher, can I do anything for you? I guarantee we could find something. And somebody may say, well, listen, I didn't sign up to wash toilets. Well, let's go back to the servant. Make yourself of no reputation. You, all of that helps. 
all of that takes a mind off of the pastor. You know, there are some pastors, is the toilet going to get washed today? Is it a pastor shouldn't have to worry about that. It should be something that's taken care of so he can concentrate on other things. Is this going to get taken care of? My pastor has a theory. It's called the monkey theory. He says, the problem with giving people things is that I say, go take care of this monkey. And what happens is they don't take care of the monkey. So I have to take the monkey back. But I also have to take their monkey of them not doing stuff. And I have to take care of that too. Now I got two monkeys instead of one. Oftentimes it's how it is. What an ease it is for Paul to be able to say, I could trust Epaphroditus to take care of this. So I could concentrate on other things that God has given me to do. And more work could be accomplished. Again, what do we see through the life of Epaphroditus? Here is a man who was fully committed to God. Who said, I'm willing to work. And if nobody else is willing to do it, I'm still willing to do it. Here's a man who gives us the idea, the principle that Jesus is telling. If a man can lose his life for my sake, he's going to get it back. He's going to find it. He's never going to regret it. Prephroditus, when he's in, in the millennial kingdom, when he's on the other side in the promises of God, is never going to say, man, I just wasted my life serving Paul. I just wait. I could have done something better. He's never going to say that. Because it was worth it all. But how many people will get to the other side and said, man, I just wasted my life. I have nothing to show for it. You understand, I'm trying to encourage you now, not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to let you know that the greatest days of your life could still be ahead as you decide to labor together and we all move forward watching God do his own work. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.